dad bod rap pod. I am one take Jake. That is Dave's phone. <laughs> and we are here again for another dope episode. Uh, we're, I don't know, man. I just, sometimes I stop and I look around and I go, we got a whole ass podcast. Like this shit is yeah. actually, <laughs> this shit is actually emotion. Um, it's actually happening. Yeah. It's yeah. actually happening. People actually listen to the shit. Um, and not just like our two friends. Right. Right. And so, uh, definitely blessed to be doing this, uh, program and feeling very fortunate here on national podcast day. My name is Damone Carter. AKA Dim One. I am joined by David Vince Ma. <laughs> Dave Staples. Dave Staples. Um, how you guys doing? It's really- Vince, Vince McMa. <laughs> That's good. That was good. That's a good one. Orient Express joke. <laughs> um, really good to be here, man. San Jose, yeah. Needle to the Groove. Yes. Uh, our new studios. Yes, we are in, in Needle to the Groove studios with uh, producer, record buyer, um, you know, all around cool cat, Mr. Nate LeBlanc. How's What's it going? up, everybody? Yeah, um, huge shout out to Needle to the Groove Records, Santa Clara Street, downtown San Jose, yeah. the new home. Yeah, so we're we're actually in amongst a bunch of vinyl uh, beat machines. Yep. Uh, shit is shit is dope in here. So they don't have it out. But I think they moved it up to the front, but they have this uh, uh, like promo flat huge thing for Ice Cube the Predator. Oh, that I shit. like to really? out on every time really? I'm in here. I love that thing. That always makes you feel at home. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we're we're really in our element right now, um, just kind of bathing in the hip hopness. Um, and we have another dope show. And I say that and it's like, you know, I've hyped up things that I don't care about as just kind of a professional thing. Uh, but man, I'm, I'm impressed with the caliber of guests and the, the programs that we've been having here in sweeps week, uh, <laughs> on the dad bod rap pod. We're trying to build up momentum to go into the end of the year, because if our metrics are to be believed, you guys like it when we rank things yeah. and we will be <laughs> yeah. ranking the year's rap releases in a couple of weeks. Yep. God, um, I'm not ready, man. I know. I, I'm not can't ready. Can't even fathom doing the spreadsheet yet, but we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting yeah. there. Um, yeah. And then we ha- always do a special Thanksgiving episode. Last yep. year we did uh, what I thought of, but I didn't use this term, uh, WDRP, which is like our uh, was like a radio show style thing where we kind of took you guys through in chronological order, all three of us, some of the like the things of our fandom right. and what rap music we like. And so far, it hasn't been pulled off any of the streaming sites. So I'm just like fingers yeah. crossed on that. I thought it would be pulled by you know. Good Friday right. or whatever. Right. What do they call it? No, Black Friday. Black Friday. Anyway. Um, All my Fridays are black. Continue. <laughs> Continue. My Fridays are black. My president is blue. <laughs> um, and then we we have another, I'm not going to spoil it, but we have another way to approach the Thanksgiving episode this year that I think is going to be really dope. Yeah. I'm working yep. on another kind of audio documentary kind of thing. And then we have some thoughts around the 100th episode. Yeah, yeah. We're pulling up on the 100th episode. Um and yeah, I'm excited. We recently uh, inked a syndication deal with uh, UK-based Kiki. Um, Kiki, yeah. do you love me? We're writing. Um, <laughs> we are writing with Kiki. So it's a platform, UK-based platform, where they have interesting music and podcasts there. And it's really curated um, for people. They in- have the finest taste. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> British food, not so good. British <laughs> podcasting, 
Yeah. That's changed a lot. You Has were it? just there, right? Isn't the food good now? They uh, no, 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 no. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> no. I wouldn't say that. I'm like, they colonized everything. People are like, no, British food is good. There's Indians and Jamaicans. I'm like, <laughs> right. no, 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 no. Right. No, it's fucking boiled fucking potatoes. Let's let's stop playing. Gordon Ramsay has the most Michelin stars of anyone in the world. And they're all up his ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, we, we, we get around to a variety of topics here on the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Today is no different. Uh, we got a super dope guest. Um, and really, just some of these guests that we get are like dream gets, right? Like, there's certain people who really kind of identify with our aesthetic but this particular guest actually says he's a fan of the program and like not in such a way as to as to like hype us up right, right. i thought it was genuine absolutely definitely not disingenuous yeah right. i hope i hope <laughs> one single tear dude yeah no no i i i felt yeah i felt the love an um, eagle tear yeah <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we have we have open mic eagle on the program today. Um, somehow in this interview, I didn't get to ask him questions about um, his kind of real epic freestyle career. How right, I really right. first got to right. understand open mic eagle was through these battles. I think they were called Tourette's without regrets. Yeah, he was oh, doing wow. he was doing stuff with Dumbfound Dead back in the yes, day as well. Yes, and that's, and that's how I first heard of him. So at at the kind of birth of of the. The, the kind of grind time kind of acapella uh, battle rap thing. Mm -hmm. I was watching a lot of those videos and Mike Eagle stood out because he never seemed like he had pre-written material mm -hmm. and he would just be going. And as somebody, you know, I'm, I'm decent with my freestyle, but <laughs> I was really like, wow, mm -hmm. this dude is fucking amazing. So much so that he was part of a study about what freestyle rap, does to oh, the like brain. to like the regions of the brain yeah mm, i remember yeah, that yeah and also other questions i didn't get to ask him. right right but I uh mean, well with him i mean there's just so much to cover yeah you know what i mean i mean rarely do we get like an actor a rapper and comedian you know yeah. freestyler and and super cool down to kind of talk about right. wrestling fan oh you didn't <laughs> you could have into the whole thing right like, right is there yeah. like a griselda collabo coming at oh some point God. That would be really West I Side Gun just yelling. <laughs> what if what if West Side Gun was open Mike Eagle's manager as like a video treatment? That would be oh, Mike, are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> Email that, my Yahoo. Yeah. <laughs> West Side Eagle. <laughs> That's the finishing move. <laughs> they take you over to the west side of the ring and like wrench your leg or something. Wow. Yeah. Okay. The, the, I don't I try not to dabble in the wrestling talk because if we're not talking about like the fabulous Rougeau brothers or Brutus the Barber Beefcake, I get lost. Like totally, that's my totally. era. Yeah, my like, era is like eighty five to eighty eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like basically like I'm I when I was a child I was really into it and now I don't know what anyone's talking about. I actually I've probably told this story on here before and it's not that exciting, but I learned about the whole Chris Benoit thing from From West Side Gun. Yeah. Now I was like, what is this? Oh, hey, wow. I'm like, I need to Wikipedia this ish because I literally don't know what he's talking about but it's so compelling oh man it's i think that's how story. a lot of people who are casual fans of rap feel like when they listen to the show oh totally totally <laughs> okay totally. yeah no i've heard that that we're kind of a starting point so that's if, great if you have not heard of open mike eagle he has a television show called the new negroes it is not a civil rights documentary it is comedy <laughs> Um, I was going to do a bit, and I guess I'm doing it now, where I was like, every time we talk about the show, Damone should introduce that part of the conversation. <laughs> I just jump out there. I jump on the grenade so you don't have to, Nate. Um, we couldn't interview him last week, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, 
Good to be back, guys. <laughs> Good to be back. Um, so, yeah, definitely if you haven't heard of Open Mike Eagle, check out his show. But also his last album, which I believe is called Brick Body Kids. That was um, a great album. Great album and uh, this really intense reflection on growing up in Chicago housing projects. There's more to it. It's Brick Body Kids Don't Dream right, About right. Something or Something. Right. Which but, that didn't help. But Yeah, I that's to... why I stopped at Brick Body <laughs> yeah, Kids. You were, but, you were right, too. <laughs> but um, I, I really like that record because he makes art rap. But there isn't a lot of art rap that is grounded in I came from the projects and kind of telling those stories. Right, sure. Right. Yeah, so I thought that's what set it apart. I think that was his last proper release. I believe that's the case. Oh, no, no, no. There wasn't like an EP last year because it has the thing where he has the line where he says, I'm, I've been a guest on every podcast I listen to. <laughs> and now that continues on the dad bod rap pod. <laughs> Dad bod rap pod, we're back. I like to think of myself and our program as situationally lightweight funny. Like <laughs> if if we can we can riff on things, we can respond and react to things and make them funny. I do draw a clear line of distinction between being situationally funny and funny as a vocation. So right. I, I definitely give it up to, to Open Mike Eagle for kind of stepping into that realm. Right, making it your job. Yeah, it's your <laughs> you job know? to be funny. Right. I think sometimes you can tell, like especially on our SoundCloud, you will you will tag things comedy, like yeah. our thing comedy. Yeah. I would yeah. never do that. I know. Because it's like, then you're saying it's comedy and you have to actually be funny. Right, a, right. A thing that has been kind of sad, and I think we're a little self-referential about the show today, maybe a little bit more so because it is International Podcast Day and That's I right. did do a long emo Twitter thread about the show earlier <laughs> Which I today. Loved. Thank you. Shouts to that. Um, but um, people say my jokes are dad jokes. Ooh. I don't think of them hey. as dad jokes. Yeah. Well, are, I think I of mean, them as like puns, which right. I get is like a right. low form of comedy. Right. right. And it's kind of a, it's a internal hip hop referential quip more than a dad joke. Sure, but sure. Even your explanation was dad. <laughs> Even your whole, your kind of breakdown of your dad humor was everyone dad. Everyone knows that if you have to explain a joke, that means it worked, it's funny, and everyone got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is how the adage goes. Um, yeah, although Nate hasn't gotten his seat off, his his dad jokes are are well well received here on the Dad by Rap Pod. And look, we are occupying this interesting space of kind of trying to make light of or or riff on things that have happened in the world of rap. Totally. Rap itself can be funny. Actually, rap, there have been some really comedic moments in and around uh, rap records over time. I think that was a lot more prevalent. I think comedy was a, a bigger part Absolutely. earlier. Absolutely. Right? It seemed I, like in the 80s and stuff, that was a bigger thing. If there's a... If your if your record describes a dance, there's probably a lot of comedy on your record. Right. right. You know right. what I mean? Like right. the do the Steve Martin, do the Gator, Pee -wee do Herman, the, Humpty. Yeah, the Humpty Dump, like yeah. all that right. stuff. I yeah. think that's that's the golden era, uh, which coincides with 
a lot of the golden era of just when rap was good. Right. Um, one of the times it was good. Um, but yeah, I when I think of comedy and rap, and we all avowedly hate most comedy rap. Well, like, parody. Well, well, parody. Parody rap. Parody yeah. rap, yes. Parody rap. But I love sure. rap that's funny. Right. Well, th- I think those things are pretty different is the, the like line I'm trying to draw. But when I think of like funny rap, there's two kind of lanes. There's like Easy E is fucking hilarious, hilarious. right? And right. Biz Marquee is fucking hilarious, yeah, and right, they're fu- yeah, right. like it's like the clown, the jester mm-hmm. kind of ribald, and the kind of like red foxy and yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. It's just like it, the, there was a winking quality to the comedy in '90s and late '80s rap that I, to me, they're trying to do it, but they're landing it. Yes, well, absolutely. and it feels like almost like this vaudeville. Like when you, when I think of the beast, the Beastie Boys, I'm like, this is a fucking vaudeville act. Like mm-hmm. these guys, it's it like seems the like they should be like juggling and right. shit. It's and a like, trio, right? <laughs> right. Trio. It's yeah. a comedy trio, right? right? And so at no point did they ever take themselves yeah. so seriously that it stopped being kind of about landing. And even in rap, what do we call a dope bar? We call it a punchline. Right, like, right, right. Like there's right. a lot of... Of course. There's synergy there. But right. kind of like uh, Nicki Minaj style punchline rap is never funny. You know what I mean? It's like the, the, those punch those punchlines are so like, um, they emphasize it too much. It's like well, Nicki Minaj it's basically is a, is a like, bad example. It's basically like she just there was a whole era of that kind of style of rap. It's like you right. say the thing and then just the word. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, word I association, get, which I'm yeah. I'm not right. Of it. But um, it's like they're basically going get it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. I, I, That's a I, bad joke construction. Essentially, I, I I hate when rappers laugh at their own punchlines. I I hate it when Tupac did it. I hate it when Jay Z did it. Um, I hate rappers that are like, Haha, look at what I just said. I'm like, fuck out of here, bro. Either you land it or you don't. Right, right, As right. someone who thinks a lot of the things they say are clever and should be more appreciated, I get what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, basically, I go through See my day what I did there? trying to make my coworkers laugh. And right. lately, I, I don't we talked a little bit about my stupid cleanse. It's over. Today was the last day. Was it today? They're, the like, last day of the they're like, your jokes have been good lately, and I'm like, it's because I'm so clear. That's funny. It's like my, I'm I'm quipping. You were like, you were Don Rickles for like exa- four weeks. Exactly. <laughs> they're, they're like, oh, you're, you've been like, it, you're funny, and I'm like, I know. I've been telling you that for two years, dude. I'm hilarious. <laughs> yeah. No, you you definitely want to be like Cool Keith, where you're you're doing like 50 hilarious lines, totally, not just stopping at two every yeah. other. Yeah, and just kind of back to back. There's right. certain people who convey that comedic image and Mm -hmm. i think whenever rap gets too far from that Mm -hmm. when it gets so heavy and dark self-serious self-serious which is why and this is my second time bringing this up in this conversation i love da baby um because it's dark it's violent trap music but he has not only punchlines He'll stop the whole bar to put in a little <laughs> skit just to do some goofy, funny shit. I need like, to listen to this album. Yeah, I don't same. change the radio when he comes on. And the the most interesting thing as like an observer of rap culture about the baby so far for me is that it's almost become kind of a meme and people are like clocking it. How he starts rapping immediately right when the it. song starts. Right, he right. has a song called Off the Rip. Just because right. he's like, totally. I, I come in, there's yeah. there's no intro, the shit's going to be two minutes. Comes in at point one. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, and, and it really, to me, it's dope because he's re-emphasizing the, the comedic element. Even in the right. gangster right. Um, genre, like you mentioned, Easy e there were always funny skits. One of my all-time mm-hmm. funniest skits, and maybe people won't think this is funny, but I thought it was <laughs> hilarious, 
was uh, JD's Gafflin off mm. of um, Ice Cube's America's Most Wanted, <laughs> which is a, basically a person talking about how he carjacks people at the drive-through, and it's <laughs> it's set up where they're he's telling the story, and everybody in the room is just like dying, laughing, and I'm like, how kind of evil and morbid is this? But also kind of funny, right? So right. I that for me, there's certain skits I well, think. That I, well, I was going to say to your point. I mean, the the sort of lack of uh, humor in rap has has definitely um, increased, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Like back in the day, serious. it was like Slick Rick was hilarious. Yeah. You know totally, what I mean? Yeah. Like everybody was being fucking hilarious, yeah. w- whether intentionally being a clown or not. Who, you know? who who's the most um, unintentionally hilarious rapper? Well, I think a lot of gangster rappers are. To me. Without knowing, right? Yeah, right. unintentionally. This is a rappers. joke crutch for me for listeners of the podcast, but RBX. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the Talk about self-serious, like right. weird, like um, like ghetto boys are funny, right? It's yeah, the but... least funny subject matter delivered in the most funny way right, that right. is also dope as music, totally. well, and that is a fine line. Totally. Well, I mean, they're, they're absurdist. So yeah, yeah, a, it allows totally. it allows you to like there's sort of some overlook. comedians. Chris Rock is probably the most commonly used example who just the way he talks is funny. Right, right the right. way Willie D talks is funny. It's funny, funny totally, dude. Yeah. totally. Just totally. just off top, and I would say Biz as well, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. Like his Biz, whole deal is funny, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, he's a clown. You know? Yeah, and he never he never hid that, and it like it made it it made it really cool. But it's interesting that we like that, but the second that somebody does a parody. We fucking hate that, right, and I right. and I'm not sure exactly why that is, but it's like we can say it, but you can't. Can. Maybe right, is that right, right. is that what it is? I don't know. Yeah. But who gets to decide who's a real rapper and who doesn't? I don't know. I I feel like I'm a little less sensitive about this because I would say, are. but I fucking hate Little Dicky. Okay, He's yeah, all, off to top, off top. <laughs> Agreed. The worst. The Agreed. Worst. <laughs> Forget that, everything we said about taking yourself too seriously. He, <laughs> he needs to stop. He needs to but take I mean, himself more seriously. <laughs> it's and like uh, Weird Al has a has a parody of of Coolio's Gangsters Paradise, right. Amish Paradise. That I would argue is a better song. Ah. <laughs> I would I would argue uh, the, the chameleonaire one is like very legit right, as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I I think there's a a tiny lane for parody, but very tiny. Yeah, for Unless the most you're part, Weird Al. Unless yeah. you're weird, Al. unless you're the oh, yeah. god, right? It's it's like uh, one of those flow charts. It's like, are you weird, weird Al? Al? Yes. <laughs> All the other ones go to no. Are you little Dicky? Yeah. Yes. Uh, then no. Jump off a bridge. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. So we have discussed this many times, but I'm kind of anti-skit. Yeah. S- sort of. Yeah. But sort skits of. are really where hip hop comedy like kind mm-hmm. of like comes Can into shine. the forefront. Like of course. De La Biddy's in the BK of Lounge. Course. Hilarious. Oh Love that. Like it's yeah. not really a skit, it's a song, but their whole thing is based in right. skit like having good foley and sound right. design mm-hmm. and right. be doing really good skits. The early kind of Dre dog pound kind of skits mm-hmm. are really funny mm-hmm. when they're not completely vile. Right. Um and fine line. Both. Fine line. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh I was I've been thinking a lot about um Ghostface because at some point we're gonna do our Supreme Clientele episode and try to win all our fans back who left us when we didn't <laughs> the, like the Iron, Iron Man, Man as debacle. much as they did. Um <laughs> which thanks for making that one of our most listened to episodes by hate listening to it. <laughs> um but Iron Man's like um Ghostface skits are hilarious yeah, dude the, yeah, the, absolutely. somebody He's also funny. Yeah. He's super funny, yeah, yeah. and oh, very serious, right, and super right, dope at rapping. Right, it's like he's right. hitting you know all the trifecta. The, there. the Wu, on Wu Tang Forever, there's that skit, and I don't know who's talking, but it's somebody that's just roasting the shit out of somebody else in the room. 
is literally one of the that to me is like a comedy record. Totally. Like I could listen to an hour <laughs> yeah. of that. Right, exactly. Right, you know what I mean? Right, um, right. I forget what it's called, but there's these moments, right? But unfortunately, and this is why Nate is anti—he's an anti-vaxer of skits—is uh, <laughs> is most of the time. I would say the majority, eighty-five percent of the time, it's trying to be funny and just isn't. Case in point: amazing record, terrible skits, late registration. Late mm. registration mm. skits are fucking bad, mm. and they're not funny. But it, you could see the attempt, right? 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 right. right. Well, so, who do, who goes back to those? No one, right? Right. Those are yeah. straight skippers. But we're still talking right. about Dela's skits. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That, and, uh, you know, whole... when when we're talking about the king of the funny skit, it's got we got to go back to Prince Paul. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It should offend me by my heritage, but Prince Paul's Italian guy accent <laughs> is like my favorite thing in the world. He did it across multiple albums. Totally. Yeah. I don't know if the character was ever named, but it's just so funny to yeah. me. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah. It's it's um, kind of automator funny. projects usually have a good sense of humor. Mm-hmm. He has like mm-hmm. a tongue in cheek kind of thing. Absolutely. Uh, like them getting Father. Guido Sarducci right. on oh um, my God, on Handsome, uh, boy. handsome Boy. Yeah. Right. The whole Handsome Boy concept is funny yeah, to me. Totally. Like, that's, they're, they're in costumes in the, in the cover. And totally. Hilarious. Talk there, about hard to pull off, right? right. But, and right. there was an era, though, where I think there was this kind of like almost like a comedy revival, I would say, around the time of, of Handsome Boy. Um, cool Keith's run definitely kind of right. Influenced. That's the Doctor Doom, which right. that that album Hilarious. is funny, dude. I listened to that again as kind of research for our Cool Keith episode from two weeks ago. Oh. You should check that out. No. Um, but yeah, dude, that whole concept is hilarious. He told us about the like aping the pen and pixel graphics right. and like just like why he did it the way he did it, and it's mm-hmm. so funny. He's very funny. He's very yeah. funny. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's there's these comedic minds in rap. There's a definite. Uh, connection between what it takes to land a joke, I think, anyway. Not that I've landed jokes, but I think the <laughs> you connection... You jokes, you're yeah, funny, dude. Yeah, I got jokes. Uh, but I think there's a connection between landing a dope punchline and landing a joke because these are basically timing things. I, I like yeah, to think of a, of a dope right. you know, punchline, it's a mousetrap. Right. And it's kind of like, right. oh, it trips, and then right. you get it, and it's like funny. So I think there's always been this kind of a natural affinity. I think a stand-up comedian closest corollary is a rapper mm. right like mm. oh i'm just standing on stage with i've the talked about this before they they live by their words yeah they don't yeah. need any equipment to like right. do their job right. and actually to kind of round it about uh, to round it about again a, boot. A, a freestyle rapper a battle rapper is really the closest thing to an and improv. even even the um no, I'm more to a stand-up comedian, but then because they're improvising because it and stand-ups that. are doing routines, you're you're more right, Dave. Right. Yeah. Um, I know Nate. <laughs> 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 Good timing on that punchline, my dude. Um, the yeah, they they have the same job, right? In in a, in a to way, get the reaction from the crowd, it, it's exactly, and to kind of be on stage, bear, bear by yourself, right? right? And so, part of one of my as a rapper, one of my bucket list things is if I could do legit 10 minutes of stand-up. I, I host events, and I'll if there's something situationally, again, I'm an opportunist. Yeah, Something happened funny over here. I can, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. can riff and kind of do it, but to come out and be like, 
and here are jokes. Right. Um, right. As a mid thirties white guy with a beard, I also think I could do comedy. <laughs> I didn't say I think I could do it. Well, I said it was bucket list. All you got to do is make a couple racist jokes. And oh, you're in there. You're in. A, you're in on there SNL. like swim there. Lowest yeah. common denominator. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I've thought about it a lot. It's not something I've ever pursued, but it's always in the back of my mind. There's been times where I thought about comedy a lot more seriously in my life, and I I really admire people who do that. And I, I would still like to try it at some point. Yeah, uh, and it, I would shoot for five, like five. Is an eternity, right? To I be on stage, I can't believe yes. you said ten earlier. Yeah, Jesus. Ten yeah. Is, so, yeah. so take because, it easy, Rodney. <laughs> I can, I can steal people's jokes for five. I can, I can literally ride off of jokes I've heard for five. But I feel like when you land to land a punchline and people laugh because laugh laughing cannot be faked. So there's pity applause, and I've gotten my share of it. <laughs> um, but there, there is no pity laughter. That's why a, a bad comedy show is literally the worst thing in the world yeah. Yeah. because uh, nobody can. Comedy metaphors are all extremely violent. You killed or you bombed. Dumbed, right. yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's like harsh. it's it's visceral and it's, it's immediate and it's harsh and right. it's like and that's why people get addicted to it. Yeah, it's the truth. Like mm-hmm. if you made somebody laugh, you fucking made them laugh. 100%. And, and if you didn't say something funny, then you totally yeah. didn't make them laugh. And so if I could do that, yeah, I, I would be drunk on power. Don't don't <laughs> let me don't let me get a, a good ten minutes of laughter and I think it's you know if you want to try this sometime, I think you need to like not do it in front of your friends. Like you need to find like an open mic mm-hmm. that's like in like right. San Francisco for right, us. Right, right. It's like an hour away. We're not right. going to see anyone we know. Like yep. if you really wanted to see if you could do it, like you can't yeah. have a supportive or sympathetic audience. No, you need that harshness to see if you're funny or not. Right, and also uh, dick and pussy jokes would be more in play if I were uh, in another <laughs> not around people you knew. <laughs> yeah. Where, yeah, where you often see them at yeah. your squishy nonprofit. Yeah, job. hey, <laughs> yeah, so. So I, I definitely feel like um, this is the lane that you're going to see a lot more rappers. What Mike Eagle's doing, I think, is pioneering in a way. I sure. think rappers, I think more and more rappers are going to try to capitalize on this idea. Although it was really funny to hear him say he has not experienced a bump right. in his in his rap that was numbers. Fascinating, yeah. right? Right. Um, I just wanted to say one last thing as we kind of wind into letting you actually hear the interview we're describing to you. Um, I I have this thing with talk rapping. Like, can talk rapping be really great rapping? And I just, I think Mike is kind of a talk rapper, and he oh, does it at, like, the highest levels. Interesting. Like, hmm. um, last week's, well, I don't know which order we're going to put these out in, but we also talked to Homeboy Sandman this evening, so mm-hmm. it's in my, um, in my head, and he's, like, so flow-based. Yeah. He's always doing different pockets, different, different right. rhythms, different, right. like, I... I Probably, I don't know enough about music to know if it's true, but like different time signatures, like he'll go against beats and stuff. And I haven't listened to every single thing Mike has ever done, but I feel like mostly he's being himself. It's conversational. And and it's conversational. It has a talk rap vibe. Maybe not as much as some other people, but like he takes me out of my my thing is like if people ask me like what do you like or what makes a good mc i always want this attacking fast syncopated syncopated kind of thing and he shows a way to rap extremely well that is in more of a conversational cadence and it's like just slightly understated kind of in like maybe not completely monotone but on a monotone like kind of like plain he he doesn't do rapper voice so much as as sometimes when people call you're like who's this right yeah that was him that was his voice that's who he is and uh, even on the tv show the the new negroes he 
does his uh, the opening kind of comedy monologue in like such an understated way. Yeah. It's harder to do that without like histrionics or even really like different facial expressions. Right. You know what I mean? So right. it's it's kind of a testament to the craft is a long way of saying that. All right, uh, Dad Bod Rap Pod. Once again, we have another dope interview with, of all the rappers that we interviewed, I feel like Open Mike Eagle is the one that understands the podcast format the best. <laughs> uh, so we want to welcome to the program Open Mike Eagle. How you doing? I'm good. Did you guys do an ad break right before this? How did how did how does it work? Yeah, it was for uh, <laughs> mail order underwear. Casper mattresses. <laughs> yeah, Is that what exactly, it was? <laughs> exactly. We ain't getting that blue apron money just yet, but we're. Uh, I see. Yeah, we're 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 trying. Um, you're you got a TV show, bro? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's wild. So, kind of, how did that come about? Um, so I've been kind of embedded in the comedy world out here in LA for yeah. like a solid 10 years now. Um, it started with, um, me kind of doing stuff at UCB, just kind of randomly, just, mm-hmm. uh, being involved and doing music on shows there. They started getting me booked on other people's comedy shows. And I started doing shows with Paul F. Tompkins out here. Okay. Um, and I ended up meeting Baron Vaughn at this comedy rap battle thing that used to happen out here in L.A., hmm. where, like, uh, comics used to battle each other. Um, and I would get in these, and I would lose a lot. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, because I would take them way too seriously. Like, okay. way too seriously. Like, I'd be, I'd be trying to make the people feel bad, and they were not there for that at all. So, okay. um but um, me and Baron met in one of those, and he actually won one of the battles one time, and I thought it was super dope. And I, I think I had seen him in Black Dynamite or something I saw him on. And we kind of just uh, linked up there and, and kept in touch and started doing each other's shows over the years. And then he had this concept called The New Negroes that he started to do in Portland mm. at this comedy fest called Bridgetown. and. Mm-hmm. He started having me involved with that and kind of made me a permanent component of it. And we started doing it down here in L.A. And then the TV talk started. And um, there's a lot more to the story. But <laughs> right, right. Um, we ended up on Comedy Central. Wow. That's wow. that's that's super dope. Um, so, yeah, you kind of have straddled the world of hip hop and comedy. Is there kind of a natural uh, connection between freestyle rap which you're super talented at and uh improv comedy was that kind of the natural lead-in for you there's definitely a link there but that wasn't really my lead-in when i started doing Mm -hmm. stuff at ucb it wasn't necessarily as an improviser they just have certain shows where they have usually kind of random people from the audience um tell stories and like so really uh, talented improvisers, like the elite level people, they'll just start doing improv from that story, like right on the spot. 
And uh, occasionally, instead of just having a person tell stories, they'd have a person come and do songs. Mm. And they would do improv off the songs. And that's how wow. I started getting involved, just really doing my music up there. And um, seeing how people in that comedy space reacted to my stuff made me want to just keep doing that over and over again. Um, let's take it back. Um, you're from Chicago, right? Yes, sir. And I believe if I'm please correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to get my facts wrong here. You were affiliated with or a part of uh Nacrobats? Yep. So our our buddy Absolutely. uh Alan, he used to go by Overflow back then, um, was kind of part of that scene as well. So that's where I think I first heard of you. Um, but where I think you really caught my ear as a listener was you titled an album a couple years after that, um, Unapologetic Art Rap. Um, I just think that's such a brilliant title, and that's something I was really thirsty for at the time. Like, I was a big, like, anti-pop consortium kind of fan. Like, I was was like, let's take the brakes off here. Like, we've done the underground thing. Like, let's go left. And so um, can you just kind of talk about that time and what you learned from the underground hip-hop movement and – uh, take us up to that point of you releasing unapologetic art rap. Um, so I grew up in Chicago. I left for college um, around 17, 18. And then I was in school um, for six years. Like I did undergrad and I did a year at grad school. Then I bounced straight to LA. And part of me leaving for LA was that I was super familiar with the project blow from mm-hmm. listening to cats like AC alone, bus driver, abstract route. Um, you know, Mike and Nine, Freestyle Fellowship. And so uh, when I came to L.A., I kind of just went to the blow and just wouldn't leave. Like, I just wanted to soak up all the knowledge. Uh, honestly, I looked at it like grad school. and It was like rap grad school. Right. Like, because so I was going and, and and learning how to have a career under these guys who were really out there doing it. So um, I used to sit up in the office that they had there, and I would learn, like, about how to, like, if you put out an album, like how to, how to get it in stores and, and you right. know, how to, you know, call around and do stuff like that. Like I would travel around with AC alone and ab and I would just like do their merchant shows just to be mm-hmm. around the business like that. Um, so basically that was me like learning the ropes, like learning how to like really have a career as an MC from people who are actually doing it like an apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was part of it. I'm in the underground and I'm trying to keep this lineage going from these people who like have been, you know, rhyming in this way that has no rules. And uh, it was like 2010, I think, when I put out that album. Mm-hmm. And what was going on uh, in mainstream rap at the time was like very, very rigid. This is like, yeah. you know, when the weirdest thing on top is probably like Lil Wayne saying he's a Martian. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. But like, <laughs> everything else is just like, you know, super blanked out. Like, you know, it was like right before things started to turn where uh, mainstream rap got a lot more expressive. So I really felt this need to uh, make a distinction in what we were doing in the underground. Mm. And, um, and I knew that, you know, rock, it was, rock was always, uh, it was always acceptable for rock to be split up into these different sub genres. Right. And mm-hmm. one of them was right. art rock. And, um, so I was like, okay, well, let me do art rap then. Or, and I didn't really realize people were kind of already using that phrase, but I, I just wanted to like be able to wave it as a flag. That's dope. Yeah, um, and to and to put the 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 tag on it, unapologetic. I think to kind of own it, because I I yeah. think sometimes that was used derisively um, to kind right. of say something was was super nerdy. Do you do you feel like 
we're in maybe I don't know, maybe like a golden era of of art rap when you look at groups like Arm and Hammer, uh Milo has has great records out. There's just these really artsy rap records that it seems like and it's just could be me, but it seems like folks are more attuned to those type of things than they were in the past. Would do you think that's true? I'll give you a twofold answer. Um, one, I feel like because mainstream got weird, mm-hmm. it really, I think, opened people's uh, ears up to the to all the different ways rap can happen. Where mm-hmm. it, you know it used to feel a lot more rigid. Now, I feel like um, the people's palettes are a little more expanded. Uh, so I think that helps. Like on some like you know rap regonomics trickle down shit. I think that helps <laughs> a little bit. Um, but on the other side of it, I think it's actually harder than ever to be truly independent. Mm-hmm. Like as a, as a rapper, I think that like, honestly, I think that the fact that people like Milo, you know, woods over, you know, with, with the backwoods stuff, um, the fact that they're able to put out records and get attention in 2019, is kind of a miracle and a testament to like them working very hard to build mm-hmm. up these brands over the past, you know, five, six years and even further back going to woods. Um, I think if you're truly independent right now, um, I feel like it's harder than ever to really uh, amass a fan base. And mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with um, just there not being a lot of small labels anymore. It used to be a lot of like small labels that lived on taking chances on smaller artists, just like Mush was with me when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mush was a label that was... Um, you know, kind of known for, they put out Aesop Rock's first record, they put out Bus Driver's first record, so I was able to be part of that lineage. But now you don't really have that much anymore. You look at Milo, he's self-releasing records. Woods, they're self-releasing records. Um, and that's great, but it's just a lot harder to do. Okay, man. Um, I want to ask I want to ask you a little bit about your show. I mean, a lot of the skits seem super involved, and I, I wanted to know what your level of writing and just um, uh, just involvement in these skits are, and which which are your favorites that people who haven't seen it got to check out? Uh, answer the second part first. I think the one we did, the video we did with Method Man called Eat Your Feelings. Yeah, that was great. Uh, to me, that's one of the greatest things I've ever been a part of. <laughs> like, I look at that and I'm just like absolutely floored by it and forget that it's a thing that I had anything to do with. I just think um, from, you know, from us coming with t- coming. Uh, into that concept and, um, you know, writing out how the video would look and getting Method Man involved, getting Quentin Brunson uh, in the video. Um, I just feel like we executed that so well. And that's like, to me, the shining example of, of what it is we were able to do like musically and, and, and to have the humor and be making the social commentary all kind of wrapped into one. Um, and the, to, answer the first part of the question. I mean, I, I was involved in every part of the process mm. uh, from pre-production uh, writer's room in terms of writing uh, the dialogue that me and Baron did for each episode, writing all the songs, um, writing all the video concepts. And I don't mean like me just individually, but right. um, definitely there for everything. And when mm. it comes to the music, a lot of me, <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah. a lot of me. Um, my guy video Dave was helping us write uh, music stuff. Rhyme Fest was actually in the room helping us write music oh. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fonte, um, and then every collaborator, you know, wrote their own stuff. But, um, you know, a lot of it, 
was really kind of on me and my sensibilities and, and, um, you know, me trying to get certain ideas across. Do you feel like being on TV helped you level up in your rap career or are they kind of like, you know, parallel, but different tracks? You know, it's kind of hard to say. I'll tell you this, where I sit right now, I can certainly tell that everybody like on my team thought it was going to be that way. You know, I'm sure my, my, like my booking agent was sitting there waiting for, you know, the glow up in ticket sales. And, um, I'll tell you, it's not really happening. Okay. Like, I feel like, um, I feel like I've gotten more exposure but it didn't necessarily come with more traction, if that makes any mm, sense. It definitely does. And we and, all know that the landlord does not take exposure. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Like, if my sink is my sink is broken, I cannot fix it with exposure. <laughs> at all. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, because you are kind of, you've been in the comedy lane for a while, and you've gotten the foothold. You have a show, which I'm sure is something that a lot of uh, comedians would love to have. I'd love to get your insight on the current kind of uh, conundrum around comedy, what's offensive, what's not offensive. Um, you know, there was there was a lot of to do about Chappelle's latest uh, stand up and then some other guy, Bill Burr, um, Bill Burr, Barr. The, I think the first four minutes of Bill Burr's new special also had, kind of had that level of scrutiny. Yes, that's right. What I, that's what I read anyway. I haven't watched it. So, so kind of, kind of, where do you sit on that as a practitioner, but also somebody who kind of consumes culture as well? I'm really fascinated by all of it because what I'm sensing is that the people on top in comedy right now, like the biggest acts and the guys that have been doing it the longest. Uh, at that really highest level, I feel like they're really trying to make comedy be something very specific. Like they're trying to make it this kind of idealist place where what is protected over anything is their ability to tell whatever joke they want to tell. Like that seems to me to be like, you know, where they're coming from is to protect the idea of like the platonic idea of comedy but it it seems like it's coming at the expense of like marginalized people mm-hmm. and comedy typically has been on the other side of that like comedy has typically been like you know the way to you know the way the way to to go at the powerful was to use jokes mm-hmm. um and so I don't, it's, it's really fascinating to me. Like, and I know like there's this trope or this uh, cliche of the civil war thing happening. And, and I, I can see how using that phrase is a little overblown, but I think there's some truth to that. Cause I think that there is a culture war that's happening specifically in comedy. Um, but I'll, I also am very sure that those guys are going to lose. I'm very yeah. sure about that. Cause I think that like for every, big room laugh these guys get in a special um i think these conversations are not going to end up working out in their favor Mm. i really don't well and you know it's it's kind of like there's a particular types of jokes that just play out right it's like if if you Mm -hmm. watch the roast of uh sammy davis jr when they used to do those roasts 
they just tell right. the most racist jokes about my guy for a straight hour. <laughs> get the biggest laugh. Yeah, and they, they all get the biggest laugh, and it's like we retire those jokes. There's there's a right. commonly this is what I understand about Chris Rock and a lot and, or even Chappelle is like, bro, nobody's coming out doing Don Rickles, uh, you know, Negro jokes now because we retired right. those mm-hmm. for a reason. Um, so that no, that's and really I, interesting. And I specific, I think about it specifically that way a lot. Like I think about these people who are trying to protect this ideal right now. Um, if these people, you know, were transported to the early '60s, like what jokes would they be protecting then? You know what I mean? Like what right. would, what they'd be fighting for the right for people to be aggressively racist? Like right. I, I don't know, and I don't understand how they don't see it that way. Right, and that's in your in service of your argument about them being on the wrong side of history, right? Yeah, but right. they're on the right side of that that paycheck, that Netflix man. money. Man. Um, and just one last thing on that: when you were uh, describing the idealized space where comedy can truly be free, and where freedom of speech means not just freedom from government suppression, but like the freedom from not being booed or punched in the face after the show. Um, isn't right. what we're really describing a safe space, which is the yeah. thing they're constantly <laughs> railing against? Right. Exactly. That doesn't make exactly. any sense. They want a safe space. <laughs> For this weird uh, monologued creativity at at anyone else's expense, and you know, and, I, and yeah, and I, and I, and you look at the Shane Gillis thing and all of that, like, and and it does bother me specifically because of my close proximity to some comics who are very all about you should be able to say whatever you want and trying to be funny, and I just really. Um, and diametrically opposed to that thought, and and it's just fascinating to me to watch people argue for that. Do you do you think rap is still that space? Uh, I think rap is too safe. Honestly, I don't mm. think rappers get criticized enough. Um, mm. I feel like there was a time. I don't know whatever dr- album Drake released, not this last one, but the one before that. Views. I feel like maybe I think it was Views. Um, I feel like when Views came out there were a lot of think pieces about his misogyny. Hmm. Okay. And I felt like that was kind of about to be this turning point where rappers were going to realize that they also had to be human beings, <laughs> but it has not really happened. Um, hmm. But, you know, I don't know. Really, I don't really, I haven't really um, been able to wrap my head around why that is. I'll give it a stab. I think um, we grew up listening to gangster rap and other kind of, uh, versions of the of the genre that are like deeply misogynistic and oftentimes just racist and things we would like you don't want to be the woke police and go back and listen to like ice cube black korea and be like eh, right. I, I can't do this anymore because like you know it there are other sonic or kind of cultural things about it that still speak to me but um i think mm. we're as rap fans we're used to compartmentalizing like i listen mm. to um bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks but i don't think that's true, right? right. It's like we, I've been able to have both thoughts for my entire life, so I'm still willing to do it. Like we all know, Rick Ross is a correctional officer, but we still listen to his kingpin rap and take it mostly seriously, especially in the critical space. So I think that's part of it. Yeah, I mean that that sounds that sounds right. I guess I just I wonder what the timeline is for that, yeah. or if or if that if that balance might ever change or if it should, I mean, I'm personally, I always want to be able to 
say my lyrics uh, no matter how old I am and right, no right. matter what room I'm in. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, that's me. But, you know, I, I do have, I definitely have songs that I like that are not stuff that I can say. And I'm, I guess I'm glad somebody can. I just don't know. <laughs> You know, I guess I just don't know where responsibility begins and ends when it comes to that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, I I think uh, I think we're still sorting that out. Um, although making some distance away from homophobia, I think we've taken a half step. Um, when I was listening to, I have a playlist called "The Best of 1991." Oof! Woo. Yikes! Oh Lord. yeah, <laughs> that's rough. Yeah, yeah so, virulent so we, homophobia yeah, in yeah, every song. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah we casual. So, so we we've we made some strides in that regard. Um, you seem to be by because this is our first time talking i don't want to assume a huge rap fan like can you kind of tell us who you're listening to now and who you think is making the vital art currently you know i I listen to a lot of new stuff i mean i really like no name i think no name is just like the flyest Uh, right now she only Um, did like one interview when she did her last album rollout and in it she said that um she also hangs out in the comedy scene so i was actually kind of wondering if you guys ever crossed paths Nah, me and me and her are both really cool with Hannibal, so I, I'm I'm guessing um, we'll probably meet at some point. But no, we haven't crossed paths right up until this point. Yeah, she's great. Anybody else that comes to mind? I mean, really, just you know, my colleagues, man, Woods and Elucid and, yeah. and Milo. Like, you know, those are the guys that I and, and JPEG Mafia. Like, okay. you know, those are the guys I'm always going to trumpet whenever asked because, like, it it really means something to spread those names by yes. word of mouth. But, yeah. You know, those cats are really independent and out here and like rapping to survive. You know what I mean? Right. Not that it's your job, but as someone who's perhaps not understood JPEG mafia yet, can you give me like a two sentence, like this is what I like about it kind of thing? It's just all energy and it's all his production. It's, it's like a unified vision and it's just energy. Like I think the best thing to do would be to like, go on youtube and look at him perform okay I you know what i mean that. and i yeah. think it'll it'll really it'll really uh translate if you if you see him that right way on. i have life. really enjoyed how people have started calling him peggy i think that's a f- hilarious oh yeah that's his thing that's his thing <laughs> wow yeah. okay okay so you don't you don't listen to the baby at all the baby um, I don't know. Maybe I have. <laughs> I've been near a I radio. I haven't sought it have. out. <laughs> I have, you know, I haven't really sought it out. You know what I like? I like that Dreamville compilation. Okay. Yeah. I like okay. that Dreamville compilation. I think it's so weird. Yeah. Um, and I, and I can't help but like like stuff like that. And I have a a ten year old son mm-hmm. who listens to all sorts of stuff. So a lot of stuff comes across my desk, but not a lot of it really catches my ear quite like uh that did. Okay. Okay. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the program, man. Uh, this was this. Yeah, cool I'm a big fan of the show, man. Aww. I listen to probably like every every third episode. That's, I'll probably that's listen to. amazing and yeah. like makes us feel really good. So thank you very much for doing that and that's saying awesome. that. I, I really, um, you know, I think that the journalistic angle on hip hop is so important mm. and valuable, and I appreciate the thoughtfulness that you guys bring. Um, week in and week out and the people that you choose to signal boost I think is also very important and very cool so thank you guys for doing this absolutely thank you man absolutely and we want everybody if you haven't peeped it yet check out the new Negroes on Comedy Central and then 
go stream all my guys' shit because uh, there should be a bump. I want there to be a bump because you're on TV. <laughs> I need to feel like that. I really appreciate you answering that question, honestly. I think that's fucking dope. And, uh, yeah, man, um, just really appreciate you being here. And um, we're going to we're gonna keep up with you and kind of I, – I, you seem to allude today that there might be a project coming. So maybe we can talk again when that's yeah. Absolutely. I'll have a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, man. Well, you be well. Thank you. All right. Take care, y'all. Peace. Peace. Real, real quick in closing here, who is the hip hop version of Mitch Hedberg? Oh, <laughs> like I was a thinking about this, rapper? but like a weird one. Like, who is? Is it Keith? Does that just deadpans? Is it Doom who just deadpans hmm. weirdness? I I've been going over this in my mind because you you have, have to pick someone who is not that prolific. Because Mitch Hedberg only has a couple of recorded things, though, right? right? Yeah, because, right. like, Doom, it's like, well, on some projects, kind of, but, yeah, like, the yeah. KMD's not. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. I don't, yeah. Hmm, I okay. Know, I don't know okay. where to start with that one. So, so Twitter, do your do your job, Twitter. <laughs> Fuck. I'll never, man, I never want to be in that situation. But do your job, Twitter, and help us. Um, I want a corollary to Mitch Hedberg. I think, I feel like there just has to be a rap version of that. That's super interesting. Yeah. So, I, we, we end on a query. Um, because we're on a UK podcast, we can say <laughs> a query. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in to the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Shout out again to Open Mike Eagle who joined us. Shout out to Needle to the Groove Records, our new uh, home base. We're really excited to be here. Shout out to Kiki, where you can find our podcast. Um, go there. We get a, a sliver of a sliver of a sliver of the ad revenue, so everything helps. Also, stay tuned. Cause your dude's got merch coming out, and it's it's a super small run. Like it's on some supreme shit. Like <laughs> they're coming out with a stapler, and there's only ten staplers, <laughs> and they all have. That would actually probably be more useful for a lot of our listeners than a shirt would. We all probably have a hundred <laughs> shirts, but like no staplers. No staplers. <laughs> no stapler to speak of. Hmm, we maybe, got red staplers. <laughs> Vince Staples. Oh. Vince Staples. Oh, that's all I got. That's my third Vince Staples joke. Tonight. Joke tonight. <laughs> <laughs> thank all, you all of them have been funny <laughs> thank you long beach um <laughs> all right so there it is uh all things funny and some things that are not dad bod rap pod <laughs>